0: Hey there, welcome to Woman Talk, We Talk, a bilingual podcast. Every week, we'll sit down with an amazing woman to chat about topics such as tech, startups and entrepreneurship, women empowerment, and other personal stories of how they found their success. Let's get started. Shaina Deepak is a PR and marketing professional with five years of experience working in B2B and B2C tech. She specializes in raising brand awareness of high-tech consumer and enterprise companies. With an eye for emerging trends and finding the best puns, she hails from the Bay Area and currently resides by the ocean in Santa Cruz, California. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Good to be here. Cool, cool. So you've been in the tech PR world, and you've seen the effects of how COVID nineteen has really affected these tech companies firsthand. Do you have any insights on how tech companies are adapting to remote work?
1: Yeah, it's actually really funny. The whole like remote workforce has has completely transformed. Um, we're looking at you know companies who've had 100% office workforce have to undergo a complete transformation in a very short period of time. Um, tech companies, on the other hand, do have the uh, upper hand in this case, um, being that they work with the technology and are partnered with um, a number of different resources to help make this happen. The transition um, has been a little smoother in some cases. For example, Twitter, I'm, I'm not sure if you had heard recently, but Uh, Recently, they had announced a uh, work from home forever policy. So, um, you know, the future of the company is now completely shifted to remote work, um, which is, you know, pretty crazy. Forever is (laughs) never ending. So it's funny to think that, you know, their whole company policy has completely shifted. I personally haven't seen this this end of the spectrum occur with any other companies. You'll see, you know, before COVID, a lot of companies had, you know, dabbled with the remote work concept and even, you know, would have daily, weekly remote work days. So that transition was easier for some. On the other hand... A lot of folks think that in order to have meetings, you know you need to be in an office setting and bust out the whiteboard and and brainstorm, which is just not feasible with like today's real technology. I mean we have things like Microsoft teams and Zoom to help bridge these collaboration gaps and that's another big trend I've been seeing is um the increase in collaboration tools so Microsoft Teams, um, which is a really awesome collaboration tool that works in conjunction with Office 365, has just the first week of COVID saw a 12 million increase in users in one week. That's pretty crazy. Um, So they're now at, I believe, about 44 million in total. Um, So that just shows like, you know, everyone's jumping ship, like they have to, to get out of the office and and the use of these tools has really brought teams together i know for me personally we are using teams all the time like sometimes i feel like i can't personally even just like run to the bathroom because i'm like i'm going to miss a message cuz that's how engrossed i am in the like communication and so that's just been a great tool to help make that transition. Um, another thing that's come up in this time is the future of remote work. Everyone had to rush to make this transition, you know, in a pinch. But like, what's the longevity of remote work going to look like? Are we going to go back into the office? Uh, most people think that, you know, once everything dies down, no one's going go to want to go back in the office. Honestly, I I think that one. Dilemma that we're employees have been experiencing, like since the beginning of time, is the concept of, of uh, work from home balance, and that's something that, in I guess you could say, is a double edged sword in this time because you're working from your house, which is some of us have always dreamed of having, so we could get some time back, you know, have time to cook lunch or do laundry, et cetera. But now with with what's happening, people aren't able to draw that line of when do I turn off work mode and go into home mode? Because there's no physical division of, of your space. You know, In an office, you're maybe at a cubicle or you know, you're able to leave a space, turn your brain off, get home, turn home brain on. And it's funny because I'm personally feeling from what I've been reading that productivity increased amongst work-from-home employees. However, people are burning out faster because they aren't able to make this transition. Home brain, as I'm calling it, can't turn on as easy. You're always in the back of your mind thinking about, oh, I could just check this email or do this one thing really quickly. And and it's funny because in theory, you know, if you're at the leisure of being at home, you shouldn't have this problem. It's what we always dreamed of, right? So it's definitely a catch-22 here. I'm talking I guess with a lot of a lot of office work. I personally think there's going to be a huge radical shift in the remote workforce whenever COVID dies down and a lot of that ties into the employee wanting to make their own decision about how to best live their life, especially when, you know, being confronted with the fact that times are so uncertain, you know, they just want to do the most they can with the time they have.
0: That's a good point, and I think one thing that you brought up is how does COVID change that whole remote work shift? It's interesting. I helped host mm-hmm. a a virtual happy hour for the Asian Pacific startup community. And they're trying to build this up completely virtually. So we're Zooming everyone, at least mm-hmm. on a weekly basis. And that's how we're starting to build that community. And there's one lady that came in and we she's from Korea, South yeah. Korea. So we asked her, like, what's the... Um, remote work, like in South Korea, have you guys opened? What's the situation there? You know, we just kind of wanted to get an understanding of like the real insider perspective because you know, the media is saying something completely different. Um, and she mm. had said that um, they actually really want to go back to the office, completely yeah. to our surprise, because everyone would assume that if you don't want to go to an office, <laughs> you don't true. have to, or you know, most people are not going back to the office, but. She's saying here, oh, no, we want to be in the office. Um, and so we found that really interesting in that dichotomy. So it's, right. it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be fun to see how people use that space and what that becomes. Is mm-hmm. the office going to become more of a a co-working space for your office?
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's a good point you brought up about this woman you uh, spoke with, because as you know, a lot of kids are staying home with the parents right now. And so for the parents, like going into the office is their break, whereas it used to be flipped. So it's really funny how that that script has changed. Like going away, going to the office is actually, you know, your break from your kid when coming home is not. Um and uh, another thing to consider is like from the employer's point of view, the the cost savings on rent can, you know, be reinvested into the business and maybe better internet speed or collaboration tools, things like that. I know another issue that is kind of hot right now that I haven't seen a ton of coverage of is as people continue to work from home, um, work in the cloud, how... The cloud itself is kind of been in flux trying to accommodate all the bandwidth for all these new users at once. So it's something we don't often think about. It's like, oh, we'll just jump online. But, you know, this bandwidth comes from somewhere and um, it needs to be created. So having everyone rush to it at once last month um, created a shift. And I know with tools such as Zoom, a lot of users were experiencing a lot of difficulties and slowing down because no one was ready for (laughs) this grand shift.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a really good point. I started working from home maybe a year and a half ago when I started my own company. So, you know, I've already been well versed in the remote work Mm -hmm. life. Um, And Wi Fi is definitely a must. That's our that's our main ingredient, right? Besides having a laptop. And so definitely have felt the drop. And bandwidth, as you've said, you know, for the past few weeks, just knowing that everyone is now eating up all of that kind of equal bandwidth. So yeah, definitely an issue to be explored. And then how does that translate to VR and AR down the road when that becomes a bigger thing? Like, well, AR and VR need more bandwidth, right? Um, I would assume so, so.
1: Yeah, and I'd imagine that, you know, with the whole the future of work, that uh, AR and VR will play a really big role into recreating these human-like experiences, concerts, et cetera.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, for one, imagine corporate workspaces becoming more of an AR experience or VR experience where you put on the goggle, you jump Mm -hmm. into this virtual reality (laughs) boardroom and you meet all these different avatars of the people that you're supposed to meet. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy and cool, but also very just like mind-boggling in a way <laughs> to, to kind of just imagine that future, right? Um, yes. Yeah. So, what are some of the ways then that COVID has changed the tech workforce specifically? Do you think this would apply to companies of all sizes?
1: Yeah, I think I think we've hit a point. I, I mentioned this earlier. I think we're at like a point of no turn when it no return when it comes to remote work, um, and for companies that you know have different um, branch locations or different campuses, like the Apples and Googles of the world, I believe it was, gosh, I can't remember if it was a Facebook or a Apple or a, a Google situation here, but they are requiring work from home until 2021, and those are all huge companies, so thousands of employees are are making this shift. But at the same time, like to give a smaller scale example, I work with 10 people and in the future with, with the distance that could be a safe amount of people. Right. However, I, I, so I completely agree with your question and that I do think it applies to companies of all sizes. I think the corporate setting has more adaptation to do because there's so many different branches and, and divisions within that. Whereas, you know, a smaller workforce is more agile and, and can like go with the flow. I think these larger corporate workforces are going to have to have a really stable and strong structure and um, to make this transition. And one industry in particular I've seen, I mean, as I'm sure you've also seen, very affected by COVID is the supply chain and like manufacturing industries and how how overloaded that they've been and how that's affected pretty much all shipping including like our you know Amazon deliveries and things like that and I see sort of the future they're being focused on automation and this has already been rolled out right AI automation machine learning but it's no longer gonna be oh we should consider having this it's going to be we need this we need automation to replace our employees in case of emergency or a backup plan. Um, just like this one so you know taking out people in the factory in the supply chain and figuring out how to automate tasks that require humans and then have a human monitor the the technology from from home so there's definitely a big learning curve and industries like manufacturing the supply chain you know aren't the most up-to-date not the most tech savvy like kind of behind in the times because paper and pencil has worked for so long so that industry in general is going to see a huge, huge shift, um, I think both on the small and large scale, because a small manufacturing company, you know, needs the output of, of, of a larger company to push out product during this time. Um, so just a couple, a couple of ways I've seen, seen things and expand. Another, another industry that seems to be doing really good good is like education tech. And this is in terms of both corporate learning and traditional like classroom learning with um, K through 12. Um, A lot of teachers have had to kind of make the shift from uh, turning in like email, Word docs, etc. to going like just the Google Docs and working in real time and assignments and things like that. And so platforms that help enable that are really, really helpful right now for those industries. And also training and certifications, right? Like just because there's COVID doesn't mean that certain uh, health regulations or certifications or food health regulation certifications aren't going to be applicable. These things are important to keep the world turning still. So these expectations are still going to be there to, to have in place. And so the way that the information is delivered is going to change. And so any platform that can help bridge the gap between um, corporate and online will be really successful right now. One particular way I've seen this change is for more like graphic intensive industries, they're using virtual desktops. And kind of what that looks like is um, you have like your physical laptop or desktop, right? You're in the office. It duplicates that and makes it accessible from your home laptop, that's like 200 bucks or your really intelligent smartphone and things like that so that you don't need to be into the office and you don't need the put the money behind the heavy tech hardware to support these kind of like high process um, processors. Instead, you can just kind of push that out virtually through your home base, which is still sitting in the office. It's really crazy technology. And um, I definitely see the future moving more and more towards that as well.
0: Yeah. Love, love that you've shared different industries and how they're adapting. I think um, everyone obviously has their own like unique use case, right? Um, I was one of those people that have used the, um, the, virtual desktop that you said um oh, yeah. man it's rough <laughs> that's all <laughs> I gotta say <laughs> it's rough yeah um, but I, that was a few years ago so hopefully the technology has caught up and it's you know mm. not as not as uh, difficult to use that in this day and age um but I do I do think that um a lot of the like you said a lot of the traditional brick and mortar shops really need to obviously reevaluate their Online presence, even and how they're doing a lot of you know digital marketing, digital just however they're working really. That's relating to the tech side of things. Um, I think it's interesting to see how they're adapting and and the specific kind of use cases that they're they're using for their own processes, right? So
1: yeah, and and retail is another I'm glad you brought that up. Retail is another industry that you know, with these big box, like corporate stores um, have the budget and bandwidth to maybe implement some of these things quickly and efficiently. But, you know, you have, I mean, I live in Santa Cruz and there's so many like mom and pop stores that, you know, don't even have websites. And so to make this transition is so rough for them and is something that is taking them longer and possibly to the point of no return as well, because they might not be able to catch up in time to make this transition and still make themselves relevant and figure out a digital marketing plan to promote their business. It's it's tough out there for sure. A lot of empathy to, to people with their own businesses. Right so now.
0: there is one point that I want to follow up with you. And that is what the way you see things are kind of split, I guess that disconnect. I mean, virtually we're very connected Um, but Mm -hmm. then we're also physically very disconnected. Um, What are the thoughts or trends behind like how people are dealing with that disconnectivity between like seeing another human, (laughs) you know, Um, like in the workplace or or on a personal level? I mean, do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, so you're asking how people are finding ways to connect with others beyond the virtual screen, like maintain connection.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I do. I, can completely understand that I live alone, so it you know when I have my screen time, it is my social time in a way. Or the first three weeks where I was not interacting with anyone, avoiding grocery stores, etc. Um, what I've seen is a crazy amount of creativity sparked up, and I'm sure you can agree from from just necessity for connecting with others and. A lot of it, I think, is now enabled by platforms. So if you go on YouTube, we have a campaign running called Get With Me, I think. And it's like, cook with me, talk with me, work out with me. Like sometimes it's just videos of people like doing their thing. You can just have running in the background while you're doing your thing. So you just aren't feeling alone. These are things I would have never thought to have a video of someone else like typing at a computer on, on one of my screens while I'm working on my computer or like someone cooking while I'm cooking like Etc. It's it makes a lot of sense though. You're coexisting, which even if you're not speaking with someone in the same space, you're still coexisting. You still feel connected. And so, a couple of things I've seen in terms of creativity is the music industry and the music scene. I've been watching a lot of virtual live streams from like DJs and different musicians, like live together and they've just chosen that's their core group of people they're going to see regularly. It has been super inspiring for me actually as a as a non-musician and non-DJ to see how how creative these folks can get and then the the methods for for making these happen. So they're turning to technology in terms of like piecing together different voices to make in like an a cappella or I just read an article about a musician or DJ, I can't remember, but he was going to host a drive in concert. So like the drive in movies, you just like pull up. (laughs) And it blew my mind. I'm like, I would go to that even if you know, we were allowed to go to physical concerts, because that's a concept that's just so new. So things like this have really just inspired me personally to to push my limits and, and see what's what's possible. Occasionally I've been toying with the idea of doing like virtual karaoke with a friend, um, and things like that. So things that I've never thought to do. So yeah, it's been really inspiring.
0: Yeah. I love that virtual karaoke. I gotta, I gotta put that on my list. <laughs> right. Oh man. Um, <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I definitely need to put that on my list. And then, uh, Another point that we wanted to discuss was what are some ways tech companies can position themselves during the COVID era?
1: Yeah, it's it's hard right now for sure. I The companies that I've seen be most successful are offering or focusing on ways to offer a solution to consumers and other businesses. So if it's a B2B or business to business company, focusing on how you can be an asset for other companies. Unfortunately, this is a time where I just don't think all the companies will make it. But the ones that are really striving are things like I said before, where companies that can offer specific cloud resources, or can enable learning or um, can automate processes that originally required human intervention, all those can be positioned to showcase like how your business can keep going or you know looking at the consumer side products that enable activities you'd want to be doing during like this time I know I've not been able to find a pair of weights anywhere for the last like six weeks Um, and so you know making sure you're like targeting the right the right people and sending the right message for the small mom and pop businesses Since a lot of them are super tech savvy, they may haven't gotten to this point, but it's super crucial to have a message on your website, like straight off the bat, addressing COVID and how your company is tackling it, whether you're a tech company or not, um, because people are checking and they want to see right now, like, is this place safe? Can I buy from them? Can I trust them? Is their product, is their business going to keep moving? Um, Is their product going to keep working if something happens, things like that, or what buyers are thinking about. So making sure that message is loud and clear is super important. Whether it's a sign on your, you know, pizza parlor, or it's like a giant banner on your website, that stuff's super important. And positioning your company internally. A lot of people, of course, didn't expect this to happen and didn't have an emergency preparedness or business preparedness plan in place and just jumped into this Shift of reality, but I know we're all navigating through it right now. But it's super important to look at what's next, what's going to come next. Um, Something could change by tomorrow, like a a natural disaster could hit at any moment too. On top of what's already going on, and are you prepared? Like, what if you know all your hardware stops working? There's like a tsunami. There's so many (laughs) unknown factors that we're dealing with. So it's important to have a plan for every situation, and and not only have a plan, but Test it out. Make sure it works. Um, Just because saying you're going to have something in place and then not being able to ensure that all the working parts are functioning um, is a big fail on on a business's part to ensure that they can keep moving. One thing that this time has showed us is the types of companies that are able to keep moving because of how their strategies have been put in place pre-COVID. So it's important to remember even post COVID, like you don't know what's going to come next. So always, always think about what if.
0: Love that. And I think for mom and pop businesses that really are adapting, because I've seen a few in my neighborhood that are really adapting well, right. They are very relevant, very on top of it, are adapting. Um, You Mm -hmm. know, those ones are really definitely somewhere you can go and really learn from as well. Um, And um, I have a friend who owns a restaurant in the Baltimore City area, actually two locations, and they've been really quick to adapt. And I think it's because mm-hmm. they have such a younger um, team that's very, very, um, like, digital savvy and and very attuned yeah. to kind of their target audience as well. So I think for them, it worked out really well that they, they, they um, have been able to, you know, keep the restaurants open and still... Um, give back to the community as well, which I really appreciate them doing. Um, and so I think they've done exactly what you said. They've, you know, positioned themselves. They constantly were on social media, like you guys do not come into our store. You can stay in the parking lot. Um, we'll let you know when your order yeah. is ready, um, order through our app. Mm-hmm. You know, they had that app already set up, um, as soon as they opened their store. Mm-hmm. So they were very, um, they, they were basically positioned well so that when something like this hit them um they were able to uh-huh. easily use whatever resources they had going on for them and kind of position themselves um to better um really you know tackle the situation um so i think yeah i think you've hit it out of the ballpark for this one um they literally did everything that you had mentioned that kind of has positioned themselves to be in in a place where they're I see them like surviving this and then, you know, also flourishing past um, the COVID era. Mm -hmm. Um, Go ahead.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, And to your point too, I think metropolitan areas in particular, because of the... uh, the, you know, quote-unquote millennial um, age group and more technology-savvy people are able to adapt quicker. But, you know, it's funny with rural areas or areas with, like, an older age group, they're not adapting as well. And we've even seen, like, you know, I think that's a big reason why certain places, uh, even in Northern California slash the Midwest, are, like, reopening. It's because, like, they can't adapt like you know certain certain metropolitan areas can and so it's like for them it's black and white like we're this isn't happening or it's going to happen our way versus looking at options and this is a big scare for a lot of people um to see all these businesses opening and not being prepared I think a lot of it's just because they're too prideful and just like don't know how and aren't willing to make the the change um I and mean, toward the future
0: yeah, and I, I can definitely agree with you. I think that dichotomy is, very, it's becoming more and more apparent to us, right? Um, I don't know if you just saw that report. Um, I can't remember who published it, but um, they're mentioning how in New York City alone, everyone who was affluent left um, the metro area um, and that there was this yeah. like big shift because they also had houses elsewhere so they can go, you know, out of the more crowded areas and and, you know, be in the woods, so to speak. So it was kind of like that shift as well. Um, but yeah, I think I think we've in this episode already provided like the small scale mm-hmm. version of like <laughs> how a small company can survive COVID and then how tech giants like Facebook and Google and Twitter can also position themselves and address the issues. Um so there are definitely like case studies outside um, already available um and okay. I think it really does come down to being very creative about how you address a lot of these issues um yeah um are there any other uh kind of i guess insights into how companies can can adapt um or do you think this is like a solid <laughs> solid list of actionable <laughs> steps or let me reframe this like if if i were a um a business and I was listening to this episode what are some actionable steps that I can take to kind of so what's your business (laughs) (laughs) that's a good question okay so we're gonna role play Hmm. okay let's say yeah let's say I'm a pizza parlor
1: sure you know restaurants are definitely being hit hard right now um I think it's important to have a strategy in place. So first step would be update your hours on like Google and Yelp for sure. Um, one of the first things I did when um, all this was happening, it was like, I was like, I don't want to go to the grocery store, but I want to support my local businesses. Like who's open, you know? And I found out a lot of places said open and weren't and had, were closing earlier to you know make time to figure out how to navigate all this which is understandable but you know i'm still hungry so (laughs) um so update that um is key and then also updating your website and putting if you have a new menu that's shorter or more concise to you know uh, adapt to the um you know amount of food that you are you have you know through the supply chain whatever Um, make sure that's very obvious and people can easily click to it um that's not super obvious and then also if you can like write about your sanitation standards or how your company is addressing it just write on the website there and in addition i have a social media strategy in place like i still think it's important to promote your business you're just promoting it differently um The things people care about now aren't what they cared about before. I think a lot of people who are able are willing to pay more money for a quality product um, versus, you know, finding like a a cheap bite because that might mean that this place isn't adhering to, you know, the best safety standards, etc. So um, sharing your your cleaning practices, things like that, on your Facebook is like very positive these days. It used to be You know, if you were to post about how you're wiping down the tables with like, you know, bleach and water and things like that, people would just be like, why, what's wrong with you? Why would you, why, why do we need to know that? Like, so, um, you know, making sure you're tailoring your messaging to be encompassing of COVID is super, super important. Utilizing social media at all costs. And then, you know, on your storefront, just being very clear about hours and, um, if you're able to put um painter's tape down on the ground outside i know i'd appreciate it if i'm waiting in line i i've seen a couple places not do this and the flow of people walking in and out is just way too close for me (laughs) so yeah those are my i think top tips
0: there wow great so that's that's like three actionable steps right there um and i think things like this. And I try to have, you know, my podcast be actionable. So, you know, you know, mm-hmm. here's like the value. Okay, so now what do you do with this knowledge, go ahead and actually execute A, B and C. Um, so that'll put you, mm-hmm. you know, a step, you know, better than everyone else, hopefully. Um, but I think I think what you've also mentioned is like, catering the message to what people care about now, um, versus mm-hmm. just marketing, you know, your original kind of, campaign that you might have had in place yeah
1: one other thing I want to mention is like if your business you know as like a small mom and pop has not undergone like digital transformation yet if your books are still on paper things like that like now's a great time if anything's shown you um now now's the best time to undergo that transformation um than ever I've already thrown out I've already digitized like all my documents I'm even going through all my photos and just scanning them into an app to, so I can get rid of paper because this really, this time is really just highlighting how uncertain the world is. And, and so I think it's so important to keep that top of mind. So yeah, if you haven't um, switched over your uh, like POS system, your, your books for for numbers and things like that just now just do it now <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think I think uh, it's definitely a process um and it's it can be very yeah. overwhelming when you like first put yourself into oh, yeah. that world um, I think my personal advice because I'm a designer right and this is what I do I would say um like get the most important things up and running as you've mentioned like mm-hmm. do the Yelp reviews do the google my business kind of pages um, and then get like even a basic website up and running um, or a mm-hmm. Facebook page, right? Those are free. So there's definitely free alternatives that we can do. Um, and then once you have that cash on hand, you can really invest in making um, making that shift. But I think it's really about finding the smallest actions that are going to have the biggest mm-hmm. impact and um, positioning yourselves for the future as well. Um, So yeah, that's super awesome. Thank you so much for that list of actionable. So yes, if I was a pizza plower, that's what I would be doing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then... um, for uh I just wanted to kind of go rewind back to um the uh manufacturing part of this um thing. I do like the fact that you mentioned the use of AI. Um are there any mm-hmm. other like trends um, that we should be aware of um and going kind of in there?
1: Yeah, so one other uh thing that's been coming up across the board, and I guess this ties back a little bit into work from home. So security has, you know, always been an issue, of course, but security during work from home has become more of an issue now than ever. Uh, Cyber um, security is always been a hot button topic. But, you know, when you're in an office type setting, or if you're in I don't know, uh, your place of work, they have certain security protocols that are like ingrained into like the hardware and their own, um, network infrastructure. So when you go home, you may not have those same, uh, restrictions and, and, uh, boundaries. And so one thing I really want to bring up is that, um, during this time with this, with this shift and using things like, Um, Microsoft Office, etc. Like there's more hackings happening now than ever, because people have found a way to infiltrate this because there's so many people using it. So um, just being mindful of security software that you're using, just always double checking that um, things are secure. I don't assume that everything's secure. Um, I would make sure to just at your home do basic practices. Cover your webcam at night on your laptop if it's built in or not, or unplug it if it's not. And um, you know, check your. It might be a good idea to like update your email password to something more secure right now, more than ever. I've gotten a couple of phishing emails already that were pretty convincing. Uh, to be honest with you, that I maybe would have clicked had I not chatted with a coworker. So um, yeah, cybersecurity. Uh, is more prevalent than ever and the a lot of companies right now in that space are continuing to be successful and have seen an increased shift in in clientele because of uh, remote work as well Mm
0: -hmm. yeah and I think I think we do need it (laughs) because let's be very honest like if we're scanning like our our personal items right and digitizing that as well um what what is going to help us make sure that all of that information is safe and that it's not gonna disappear, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, a lot of people are working in the cloud right now too, so most of these resources from work from home are, are built in the cloud, but um, it just kind of depends on what cloud service you're using and checking on their security practices and things like that. That's another important question that these tech companies like need to evaluate and just strengthening it, always, keeping an eye out for ways to strengthen your security practices as a company, because that's never going to go away, unfortunately. And as an individual, brushing up on best practices for yourself, I highly, highly recommend um, cleaning up your passwords right now if you can. And I know I have like four or five passwords. So I, I think that's pretty standard. So making sure they all fit within um, best practices, your passwords and protocol.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: Capital letter, I mean, the more obscure, the better, right? that
0: special symbol in there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Man, all those special characters throw me off. (laughs) Yeah. like I swear that's my password, but then it tells you it's not your password and then put in your previous password and you put it in and it's like, oh, you've already used that password.
1: Well, it's, it's funny bring that up because my um my boyfriend the other day he was like, where where do you write all your passwords down? Like, do you put on a, like a the note section of your iPhone? And I was like, no, do not do that. Like, that's really bad because that's also syncing up to the cloud, which could be hacked. And as, iPhones are not that hard to hack. I've seen. Um, so I was like, no, actually, the best way to maintain security is like write it down on a Post-it note and just keep it on your like near your computer because. I, you don't have that many people coming in and out of your house uh, near your computer. So mm-hmm. I think taking it back old school is actually like the most secure method right now.
0: Yeah, I love how we're having that old school, new school kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> conversation. Do this, be new school. Okay, no, but be a little old school. <laughs> yes. Right?
1: Yeah. It's, it's funny.
0: All right. Well, before we wrap up the show, do you have any other topics that you want to talk about? Um...
1: No, I I think uh, that's about it. It's just a matter of, I mean, if I was to like summarize, I know we talked a lot about um, small businesses, less focused on tech and then about like bigger uh, tech issues that I'm seeing just being engrossed in PR. I think the most important thing to remember right now um, is, uh, you know, to practice safety in all ways. So practice safety with security online and in person, you should still, you know, be locking your door at night, um, because, uh, everyone knows, you know, that people are at home right now, um, and they're buying all these new gadgets and tools. So whether it be personal safety for things like that or cybersecurity safety, it's so important to just keep that top of mind and and safety of others. So, I just really want to emphasize those points.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. We'll be signing off now. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. If you're interested in the Chinese version of this episode, that will follow in a few days. If you liked what you heard, feel free to share and give us a like wherever you find our podcast. And also, feel free to leave us a message via our Anchor platform. Alright? Thank you, and we'll see you next week.